everyone. Welcome to the World Bank EdTech Podcast. Today we're speaking about building EdTech innovation hubs. Our EdTech team members, Robert Hawkins and Dean Klein, are speaking with Finland's Helsinki Education Hub and Turkey's EdTech Innovation Hub about their experiences building EdTech innovation hubs and the World Bank's newly created EdTech Innovation Hub community of practice. Welcome to the World Bank EdTech Podcast, a conversation on the use of technology and innovation in education globally. My name is Bob Hawkins, and I'm the Global Lead for Technology and Innovation at the World Bank. And I'm joined by Dean Klein, who has been leading our EdTech Innovation Hub community of practice effort, which we'll share with you more today. We're also super pleased to have with us today from Finland, Miastina Ekela, who's the lead advisor on EdTech startups and project lead for the Helsinki Innovation Hub, and Hakan Buchik, who is the head of department for research and development and projects in the Ministry of Education in Turkey. Dean, let's start off the conversation with you, and if you could please share with us a little bit around the evolution of the idea behind the EdTech Innovation Hub Community of Practice. Thank you, Bob. We started a new community of practice, the EdTech Innovation Hub Community of Practice, as a result of the ecosystem knowledge pack that Hallie and I did a bit over a year ago, and that was in response to demand from World Bank clients, in particular Turkey for work on EdTech ecosystems. We brought together some of the world's best EdTech innovation hubs so we could learn more directly from one another and particularly help similar efforts in lower and middle income countries. So we have about 20 hubs that offer diversity, whether it was geographic or longevity, focus, and a willingness to share. So the members are located in South Africa, Nigeria, Rwanda, China, Hong Kong, SAR, Singapore, Australia, Mexico, Israel, Qatar, Germany, Finland, France, and the U.S. And we're looking to expand that a bit more at some point. But we're bringing this group together with the aim of trying to help one another out and be a resource for folks like Hakan who are doing EdTech ecosystems. We want to develop network workshops and events globally and regionally to share best practices and facilitate and conduct dissemination of testbed research so that we can accelerate the availability of reliable third-party research on EdTech impact and efficacy. We began the community of practice about a month ago, so it's still in its early stages. We'll aim to kick that off in full in about another month. Hopefully, we can be of help to Hakan. But at the same time, I think it's becoming clear, like many of the more recent innovations in education supported by the World Bank, that lower middle income countries like Turkey that have sort of ed tech tabula rasa I guess you could say, may have an advantage in building their ecosystems because they may not have as many entrenched interests. And I'm just fascinated by Akan's project. It's incredibly comprehensive. So I hope to be working together with him on that. The connection with Miastina and the Helsinki Education Hub actually began about a year ago as well, maybe even unbeknownst to her with some conversations I was having with XEDU, a longstanding 
EdTech incubator accelerator in Finland. And then as it turns out, they were taking what was already a very successful program and under the leadership of, of Mia Stina and, and others were reworking it for Finland. And she can explain that a bit more to you. But we sought to have a core group of EdTech innovation hubs. And that includes Weising in Qatar and Adventures here in Los Angeles, and then also the Helsinki Education Hub. So Mia's been working very closely with us in, in putting that together. And uh, it's just been a complete delight to work with. You've worked with Mia as one of the first hubs that you reached out with. What did you see that Finland was doing? And then Mia, maybe you can jump in and share your experience in Finland and how you see this as relevant to other countries. Yeah, thanks, Bob. I've always regarded them as having sort of the best approach to EdTech innovation hubs. It was the most comprehensive. It had the support of the national government, which is very rare, plus local government in, in terms of Helsinki itself. And I think the fact that it already had a successful program and was willing to take another look at it, be innovative themselves and build up something almost from the ground up and bringing in experts like Mia Stina, that to me was just exciting. And I saw that as an opportunity for the rest of us to learn from how they were doing that. Mia, I wonder if you can share with us what attracted you to this community of practice and what are some of the key lessons that you've learned getting this hub off the ground? Yes, thank you. We had a very good base for establishing this Helsinki Education Hub due to a very dynamic public-private partnership. So our base and, and what we have learned here is how important it is to be aware and raise awareness of what we are doing nationally and globally. So, uh, for example, in Finland, we have one of the best education systems in the world, but we in Finland, we don't know everything what other cities in Finland are doing. So we wanted to raise this question also on a global scale. So we are in a very good position because we had this public funding for this project and also that we are building an exit strategy after this project after five years. So, so very good lessons learned. What is the dynamic between the Innovation Hub, the Ministry of Education, and what do you hope to achieve through this partnership? Yes, the, the Finnish government has an ambitious vision for 2025. Finland will be a country where everybody wants to learn more all the time. So we are working closely with Finnish government. But if you think about education and learning on a global scale, we haven't got enough ownership in Finland, even though the, the very good reputation globally. So we are also pushing through the edtech brands and possibilities in there. And we are working with Education Finland, so that is an own, own program for edtech companies, companies who want to scale and internationalize. So they are at the end of our deal flow path. For the innovators in your country that are coming to the hub wanting to create new products for improving education and wanting to get those in the hands of as many students as possible. What do you see as the main constraint? I think that the main constraint is that this community finds us. We have the physical space, and especially after this COVID 
pandemic, we have established also virtual possibilities, but we have invested a lot in physical space so that learners, teachers, pedagogical experts, academics, corporations, and all educational learning innovators, they can really come together, they can test products and services and innovate and collaborate together. And uh, other constraint is the lack of important stakeholder engagement in the long run, so that everybody thinks that this is a good idea, everybody loves the Helsinki Education Hub, but are they willing and are they committed for developing and pushing this forward? And also, are they committed to create value together so that we can really build together something new? Before we bring uh, Hakan into this discussion, where do you see this hub in five years? If you had the ideal scenario, how would you describe the evolution of this ecosystem and the engagement between the various actors in the ecosystem? One of the prerequisites for getting the, the funding from Helsinki City's Innovation Fund is that we are building the successful exit strategy for this, meaning that this is just not the project ending after five years. So we are hoping and pushing and building this so that somebody takes over after five years. Would it be uh, EdTech Finland Society? Would it be some EU funding? Would it be a part of the innovation hubs on a global scale? But something, something bigger part in this so that Helsinki City would have a smaller role in supporting this project. And so that we would also have a bigger space for EdTech startups so that more advanced startups would come together for a bigger space so that we would really have the innovation and ethic hub on, on a larger scale. So, Hakan, the case in Turkey is very unique in the sense that the government, the Ministry of Education, has taken the lead in establishing this hub and identifying the need to both identify, as Mia said, who are the innovators in your country and connect them with the challenges that you see with regard to uh, hybrid distance learning, the use of ed tech in Turkey. I wonder if you can describe a little bit about the project and what your, your goals are in the project. Thank you very much, Bob. First of all, I would like to give a brief information about our general directorate. We have been working on integration of educational technologies in education more than 50 years. It has been nearly 70 years uh, now. And we have been implementing technologies, integrating technologies into our classrooms and schools. In the last decade, we have started a nationwide project, a very large-scale project, FATI project, and we have finalized some infrastructure issues. We have implemented 500,000 electronic or interactive boards to our classrooms. We have currently connecting the classrooms with fiber optic. And of course, as a part of this, we have also started our national digital education platform, EBA, which had a great success during the school closures. It had one million concurrent users during the pandemic and school closures. So now we have in a position that we need to focus on more quality than numbers. I gave some numbers, but it's now time to give more attention to quality. So it doesn't matter how great hardware or software, uh, it doesn't matter how great it is, unless our teachers can use it. But the question here is how we can increase the quality of education. We need uh, a different approach, a comprehensive, inclusive, collaborative and 
pluralist approach, network approach we need. So that reminds us an ecosystem. So in system approach, you connect the components of a machine. But if you talk about an ecosystem, you connect the organisms. So each organism should have their effect on ecosystem while addressing the needs of the whole, needs of the education system. So when we talk about ecosystems, we talk about networks. And when we talk about networks, it reminds us at tech hubs. And we have also focused on developing a tech hub, but not just only a tech hub. We will also have other structures. We have a triangle. I can give more details in uh, soon, but I can say that we have a triangle. We will have an tech hub. We will have a PLL, a professional learning lab, which will transform technology into educational technology. And we will have a virtual space, which will connect all the components of the ecosystem. So tech hub is a part of the project, a part of the ecosystem. It's important from our side. But the main aim of our endeavor, of our project, is to increase the quality of education in short term. Three interesting points there. One is quality. The second is the central role of teachers. And the third is this idea of community or networks, which implies a change of culture. I wonder if mm -hmm. you can talk a little bit about what are your hopes for teachers in Turkey, both in terms of how they can improve their quality and how they can maybe change their mindsets and be engaged with a broader community of innovators. Yeah, this is one of the main challenges of our project because teachers are expected to teach. We plan them to innovate, but how we can convince them to innovate while they are teaching something. The good news, we have lots of projects, lots of good projects focusing on creating innovations or creating teacher networks. We prioritize teachers' participation in our project, and we have some projects called E-Tuning, ScienceThinks, Future Classroom Lab. We have a community. We have already built a community to innovate. So yeah, this will be the first step to build our society in our new project, SSD project with World Bank. And uh, when we come to teachers, it's really important because it doesn't matter how great your curriculum is unless your teachers can teach it. So the quality of teachers is equals to the quality of the education system. So we need to focus on the quality of teachers, but not with traditional ways. We need to think about new ways of training the teachers. We need to build an ecosystem. We need to build a network, peer learning, peer accreditation, and some open courses for teachers. We need to think about new innovative ways to train the teachers. And now classical in-service training will not work in this new era. So we are focusing on new ways. We are thinking about the new CPD, professional development models for teachers. So they are in the core of the project. The focus of your teacher training will be in supporting teachers to think innovatively about ways to use technology to transform teaching and learning in their classroom. How do you see facilitating this engagement between the solution providers, the innovators in the broader society of Turkey, whether they're in the private sector, NGOs, academia, mm -hmm. and, and teachers themselves? Can you talk a little bit about what your hopes are for that dynamic? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Actually, we already have an ecosystem. We are going to do this with the ecosystem. We already have an ecosystem, but we are going to strengthen uh, this with our World Bank project. We call this ecosystem 1.0. 
but we, we are going to strengthen it and we are going to have 2.0 within the project lifespan. So actually it's a challenge. One of the most challenging thing is uh, to have this innovation cycle. We have an innovation cycle. We will have an attack hub and it will have an R&D program, targeted R&D program. The companies, startups, individuals, teachers, academia can benefit from the R&D program and they are going to innovate and the ministry will support those innovations. This is the one channel. And the other channel is the incubation. We will have an incubation center within the hub. So with the R&D program and incubation center, we are going to have some innovations for education system. And the question is, the challenge is, how to make those innovations be a part of classroom teaching. So we will have a specific laboratory, professional learning laboratory, which will take the innovation and transform this innovation, this technology into educational technology. We will have some learning spaces, some technologies, and uh, the teachers and the experts, academicians will come together and discuss the pedagogical sites, technopedagogies of the technology. So they are going to have some good uh, scenarios uh, for using the technology. And we are going to disseminate this technology or scale this technology to the country. But we will have a new uh, way to integrate or disseminate technology. We will measure the maturity or readiness level of the schools. And then we are going to create need good practices with technology, and then we are going to scale it. So this is the new way. Before that, we were buying the technology, we were integrating the technology, but now we are going to determine the best schools. We are going to measure the maturity level. We are going to create best practices and then disseminate these good or best practices, motivate the other teachers. We will have some incentives for the other teachers and we are going to scale this up. As you see, we will have a new approach, a bottom-up approach. We will have a grassroots moment for the innovation. So this is the new way of doing educational work in Turkey. Mia, I wonder if you can reflect a little bit on the ecosystem that Hakan just described and draw some comparisons, particularly on these issues of change of culture, creating community, uh, and engaging teachers in innovation, and how you see parallels in your work in Finland. There are many similarities with you, Hakan, in Turkey. Yes, we have had this co-creation model for City of Helsinki in place for almost four years now. And it has been very successful and, and meaning that edtech startups, they can test and develop their products and services together with learners and teachers. So edtech startups have this opportunity very successful. One of the obstacles here has been that many Finnish edtech startups, they have been, of course, because Finnish market is quite small and education is funded by the public sector. So the market is quite harsh and, and slow. So many Finnish edtech companies, they are eagerly trying to sell their products and services, especially to the bigger cities and here in Finland the teacher education are on a high level and teachers they set the learners in, in a very central role so that learners learners are also part of the of the development path and, and teachers main concern and main successful point so to say is that 
how they ensure that learners re really learn. So they really, so to say, love learners and they are very humble on that. So we in Helsinki Education Hub, what we have identified as one obstacle or challenge is that how we combine the needs in the market, the needs in the learners and teachers in the schools and needs or innovations coming from the edtech startups. So typically in Finland, we have two edtech startups. We have this team of teachers, team of humanists, so to say, and then we have team of coders, team of, team of these technological experts. And these coders, they, for example, develop the best product in the world, but they don't have a clue what the teachers or learners need. So Helsinki Education Hub acts like a connector in, in between. And also one challenge or one key message would be bring into the coders and of course into the teachers and learners that look at what the Finnish curricula says, because the Finnish curricula, of course, it is like a, like a very, very central point in teachers' life. So, for example, for ethics startups, so if you want to develop or sell Finnish schools, so you have to know the curricula. So I think that that is the one lesson learned. And also what you pointed out is this, that how to get the teachers to innovate. Finland was one of the fastest countries in shifting from traditional learning into the remote learning. And that was due to the technological competence in Finland. But Finnish teachers, they are developing the curricula all the time. And there are rapid technological changes coming into schools. So teachers are quite in the pressure at the moment. Turkish teachers, what do they think about this change? Yeah, actually, we have different profiles in the teaching profession. And most of our teachers are really enthusiastic about innovation. But we need to define the way. We need to design the way. We have a really young population in Turkey and the teachers are really young and they really feel easy to adapt themselves into technology. So first of all, we need to create the climate for innovation. This is the key factor. And of course, we have been talking with teachers in our activities nearly more than one year. We have talked about the EdTech Hub, we call this EdKim in Turkish. It means my touch in English. What will be your touch in education system? We are talking with teachers and asking them this question. And we had some stakeholder engagement activities with teachers. And in the activities of our international or national projects, we always talk about ETKIM or EdTech Hub and collected their responses. And in their responses, I really excited about this, but we also need some infrastructure, some climate, some regulatory or regulations for innovation. So we will have great work for creating the climate for innovation. So this is the main challenge, but they are really enthusiastic about this project. Thanks, Hakan. So I think a few points that were raised. One is the importance for the innovators to be relentlessly focused on their clients and their users, whether they're teachers or the students themselves and having a student-centric approach. I'm wondering, Hakan, if you can share some thoughts on how you're going to measure success and some of the challenges around these metrics, whether it's just engagement uh, from the teachers in terms of use of new technology or ultimately changes in learning at the classroom level. 
Yeah, of course, we have some metrics within the project, but apart from these, in our ecosystem design, we already thought about the success indicators of this project. We have a new way of supplying digital contents, and the main aim of the ecosystem is to create digital contents with the teachers, with the innovators, with the startups, but content was the king 10 years ago. Now, we can say that the most liked content is the king. But now uh, with this project, we are saying that the most liked but didactic or instructive digital content is the king. So we are going to have a new model, a payment model, rating-based payment model for digital technologies within our national education system. So this be included in an AI-based evaluation model. And this AI will incorporate some data from other units of the ministry or other ministries, for example, Ministry of Family, Ministry of Internal Affairs. And our educational big data will be used to evaluate the success of the digital content. So we are going to have a more clear picture for success of our education system or ecosystem. This is the way we are going to measure the success of our products. But of course, you know, we cannot directly say something about the measurement of success because we are creating an open, complex network of innovation. So we are now on the way, but we need to adapt ourselves when we have planning all the steps of this project. But first, we are going to measure the success students and teachers with the products, digital contents or uh, other educational technologies. I have mentioned AI-based evaluation system and the payment will be based on evaluation report which used educational big data and the rating of the students and the teachers. And this is the new shift with this project. And of course, we have national exams. We have international exams like PISA or TIMSS or Talis, we have national exams. We can benefit from all those results and we can match the results with the success of teachers or maybe uh, with the educational content. So these are the indicators, but we are planning this. We need to discuss all these details with the educational community. We can't decide on this because we are responsible for innovation or for technology integration in the ministry. But we are not the only variable in the equation. There are lots of variables we need to discuss. So we will have an ecosystem. We will have time to, to discuss all those things. It's not easy, but this is our intention. And I think this is an opportunity for thinking differently around both procurement ed tech innovations. What you're looking at, if I understand correctly, is, is a results-based contracting model where if you contract with an adaptive learning provider, they will be paid mm -hmm. if those seventh grade math students actually achieve the objectives set forth in the curriculum for seventh grade math. That's right. But not only the companies, we want to create an ecosystem uh, in which the teachers, the individuals can upload their own digital contents. And if they have really good digital contents, we can pay the teachers. We need this because, you know, most of the content providers have this way. Before this project, we were buying digital content and we, we are supplying this. But the idea of the teachers or the students were not taken into account. But we had some monitoring and evaluation. But we need to increase the number, raise the 
quality of digital contents in our platform. Otherwise, the platform will not work five years later. We need to do this. A fascinating journey that you're embarking on. Dean, reflecting on this conversation and your experience with innovation hubs, what are some of the lessons that you see that are relevant for any country, and in this case, Turkey and Finland, and for this community of practice as it evolves? Thank you, Bob. This has been completely fascinating, and it proves out one of the reasons we're doing this, because you have all the innovations themselves coming out of ecosystems, like what Hatan is doing, what Miastina is doing in Helsinki. We tend to think that many of the innovations are, are coming out of advanced economies. And that's just not, not the case, particularly as you listen to Hakan describe what they're doing. And it's amazingly comprehensive, very well thought through. And I think one of the biggest challenges with EdTech innovation hubs around the world, and we haven't been doing this for very long, and so most of them initially were in upper income countries, is this connection between the innovators outside of the education system, the entrepreneurs, and even some of the larger private sector ed tech companies, is how do they connect with the education system, whether it's public or private? How do they get their innovations into the system? How do they test them without being a burden on the system? Because I think now one of the problems that you're having in advanced economies is there, there's so much innovation in ed tech that it's, I think, become a bit overwhelming, particularly in the public sector. As schools get inundated by folks that are, have developed some really interesting interventions, but the system's just not able to, to collate it and to use it. And so even if you can get into the system, there's that issue. So from what I'm understanding from Hakan, and for Mia Stina, there's more of a process for that. And for instance, that's just not something that I'm aware of in, in the United States, at least, and certainly not with, with the hubs that I've been involved with. So I, I just find that really exciting. And then you, you add to that the encouragement of innovation within the system, whether it's the public or private aspect to it, and innovation among teachers, among administrators, and among students. I just see a lot of promise in that. And I, I tend to think that the most important innovations that we'll see in ed tech and education throughout the coming years will come from that and will come from countries like Turkey and, and come from programs like what Hakan has developed. So we're hoping that we've developed a community of practice that has a lot of give and take. You know, it's like any, any team that you put together you, you hope to have a diverse group, one that has sort of camaraderie and a willingness to share. And in this case, to a desire to help underserved learners. And I think it was Khan who made a mention of that too. So you, you have the added complexity of not just reaching the system and reaching the teachers, reaching some of the learners, but reaching those who are most underserved, whether they be in advanced economies or in lower and middle income countries. And that's still something that I think we're all struggling with. So again, it's those sort of lessons learned and helping one another short circuit that learning process as we share you know, our successes and really our failures, figuring out how to do that 
how to be more sustainable in how we operate our, our ed tech innovation hubs, testing out pilots in these hubs, sharing that with one another, building a repository of early stage education investors from around the world because frequently, let's just take Turkey, for example, they would not necessarily have an outlet or a connection to what's become a pretty well-developed investment ecosystem itself. It used to be that it was some of the larger venture investors, for instance, who would, as part of their portfolio management, would invest in in education. And then we started developing some investors who were more focused on ed tech. And I think now it's, it's a lot more open and you've gotten more folks who are interested in it from angel investors all the way through institutional investors. I find this a very exciting time because you have a lot of innovation. You've got more capital available, but still not nearly enough. And you have innovators and entrepreneurs within the schools and outside of the schools who are very eager to share what they've learned and what they've developed. We're also actually looking to develop a, a directory of talent within our cohort countries and, and the companies that they support. So if you're looking for a, a certain type of talent and helping to develop your ecosystem, that instead of having to search globally and rather ineffectively, you can come to the community of practice and hopefully we can help out with that. Some testbed projects like pilots and also just supporting the establishment of local capacity building. And as Bob knows, one of the uh, innovations of the EdTech team is, a, is an EdTech policy academy. So talking about how this EdTech Innovation Hub community of practice might support that, I think is something else that will be a, a challenge and interesting as we proceed with that. And then too, we, 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 we've put a, a, a time frame on this of, of a year. So with the cadence of meeting every other month and sharing and focusing on challenges and developing a roadmap for that. So then the question will be, well, what happens after that 12 months and whether we can develop something that's, again, more sustainable, that stands on its own and brings in more potential ed tech innovation hubs from around the world, particularly in lower and middle income countries. So that's a challenge we look forward to. And you know, it's just wonderful working with folks like Hakan and Miastina and seeing some of this innovation come to life and benefit learners. One of the key things you mentioned was culture and facilitating uh, dialogue between private sector innovators and teachers. And again, the critical role of teachers in the curation process of new innovations. Mia, I wonder if you can very briefly uh, sh share with us what are um, some of your hopes for this community of practice? And also maybe Mia, if you can give us a call to action to our listeners, what is the one call that you would like to see uh, happen in this space amongst those in the EdTech community? Yes, I think that the, the most important call for action for all of us is that we all are in the forefront of identifying new education and learning trends on a very innovative way because we all are innovation hubs so we can really be brave to think outside the box so to say so that we we are in the forefront of identifying new trends and coming topics for the education and learning and most importantly that we would be adding and sharing the value together because we in Finland, we are a small country, said that we have one of the best education systems in the world, but this is not enough. We really need 
to attract talent, networks, new innovations, combined technological needs, persons, know-how, expertise, and etc. I think that this is the most important call for action and also sharing the best practices and sharing the failures so that what we have been doing and what other hubs have been doing and what we would recommend, for example, not to do. So I think that that is the most important call for action. And also, I think that there is a chance and opportunity for all of us in the community of practice to develop these models and methodologies together to ensure on a global scale that everybody, every learner, every person in the world can learn new things. Because obviously this education and learning is the key to global intelligence. Forming a community to both identify trends, but then also to share value, I think, is is essential. And, And the idea is that through the World Bank's role of convening these players with similar objectives so that you can learn from each other and build off of each other's innovations and practices. Hakan, if you can also share what are some of your hopes for participation in this community of practice and whether you have a call to action that would help you with your objectives in Turkey. Yeah, of course. We value the network because we need to collaborate with the other countries. We need to have a great network for this. We have a part of European School Net. We are collaborate. We have great collaboration with other Minister of Education in Europe, and of course, uh, with the help or with the collaboration of World Bank, we have contacted to other countries. So we have a great network, and it's a good opportunity to learn from each other's experiences. Finland has a great experience in developing a tech, starting an tech hub. We can learn lots of things from Finland, but as you know, each country has its own context. Turkey has a central educational system, and we we have nearly 18 million students and more than 1 million teachers. So uh, scale is uh, really important for Turkey. So we we can discuss how to scale, how to scale Finnish success uh, and how to adapt this success in Turkish context. Yes, we can talk about this. We can learn from Finland. We can learn from other countries and we can also offer our experience, know-how and do-how in Turkey. So we have been uh, more than 10 years, we have been building an ecosystem in Turkey and we can give some hints about creating a volunteer army from teachers. So we have really good teachers in Turkey and uh, we really trust, uh, we have trust in them together with experience sharing with the other countries we can we can create a great network community of practice about tech hubs in europe or in all around the world the next step next intention of turkish education hub innovation hub is to be a part of other innovation hubs in the world so we can develop some metrics some scales to measure the maturity level of edtech hubs so we can develop our hubs in line with those metrics so we can discuss all those details in the community of practice it's a really good opportunity and thank you very much for uh, this opportunity we are looking for it it's going to be fascinating i think uh turkey is going to have so much to share with the rest of the world and to learn from this experience and the three things that you mentioned one scale how do you scale edtech two that mia had mentioned sustainability how do you sustain these networks both locally nationally globally and then finally the learning opportunities both the successes and probably more importantly the failures 
Hakan, any any book or podcast you're listening to that you want to share with our audience that you found yeah, interesting? Yeah, maybe it's not a new book, but I have a reading from English, uh, Fifth Discipline. Uh, so how to create learning organizations uh, It's mainly focused on this. So after I have read that book, uh, I could create some uh, new metaphors. You need to convince the people, you need to convince the ministry about our EdTech Hub's intentions. So uh, I need to create some simple metaphors to describe all those things. So it's really useful to have uh, a learning organization. So the fifth discipline is really describing it really well. I have read nearly half of the book, but uh, some part of this book is really, really useful for designing our ecosystem and learning environment. Really useful. I think all ministries need to think about how to become learning organizations themselves. And I think it's fascinating, the idea of communication through storytelling. Mia, any books or podcasts you're listening to that you'd like to share? Yes, thank you. I have to investigate, has it been translated into English? But uh, it is a Finnish book so written by Maria Jotsenvirta. And they are writing about um, intelligence as a richness. When we tend to think about the intelligence and civilization, so, so that you have a status, you have a position, you have money, and, and etc. But they are writing about different intelligence, so that what you give and what you get and what value you do you create for each other. We here in Helsinki Education Hub, we have very strong KPIs for creating a new business and uh, creating especially new startup business, meaning that our edtech startups, they are scalable and, and they really raise productivity. But we have another aspect as well, so that, that how can we in Finland and Helsinki Education Hub be part of sharing and, and bringing out a new intelligence for other communities. That's probably a perfect way to end this discussion on thanking you all for the value that you've given to our listeners through your experience and intelligence and your generosity of spirit in sharing your thoughts and, and, and hopes for your own innovation hubs in your countries and sharing this knowledge uh, with uh, this global community of practice that we're putting together at the World Bank. So thanks to all of you for this fantastic discussion. And we're very much looking forward to following this journey with, with both of your countries and the other 18 or so countries that will partake in this community. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.